Welcome back to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. We're going to have Steve Zashin. He's the lawyer for Lane Johnson, the Philadelphia Eagles right tackle, suspended 10 games for supplement usage. We'll go inside. What really happened? What about this app where you can test these supplements out? And what's the relationship between the NFL, the NFLPA, and the players on the testing process? Inside stuff on testing in the NFL with Steve Zashin. First, a word from Elite Team Blankets, EliteTeam.com. Denali, MicroPlush, NFL, and college team blankets from the Northwest Company made right here in the USA. You can now enter promo code TIGERS, all caps, T-I-G-E-R-S, for free shipping, 25% off. These are machine washable, made right here in the USA. They get softer with each wash. So enter promo code TIGERS for free shipping, 25% off at EliteTeam.com. Made in the USA, perfect gift for the holiday season, Elite Team. The official blanket of pure fandomonium. That's promo code TIGERS, all caps, T-I-G-E-R-S, EliteTeam.com. Happy holidays. Contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Welcome to another edition of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. This is kind of an interesting edition here. I'm going to talk to Steve Zashin an attorney in Cleveland and his partners, representation of Lane Johnson, who just sued not only NFL, but the NFLPA. Thought it was really interesting to see that. Thought it was kind of a unique case and thought I'd have Steve on the program to talk about it. So Steve and your partners, welcome. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Again, we're here um, from Zashin Rich, and I've got uh, David Vance and Patrick Hoban, uh, who uh, basically comprise Lane's uh, legal team. Great to have you, and let's talk about it. For people that don't know, Lane Johnson suspended 10 games this year in the midst of that suspension, the Eagles tackle, who was signed to a big contract this offseason. And after the suspension, it seems like there was, uh, or even before, of course, there was a lot of questions about why and how and what's responsible for this 10-game suspension and the appeal. And the other shoe drops this week, Thanksgiving week, with a loss. Uh, well, just tell us about it. A couple actions against not only the league, which we're kind of used to, but also the union. So if you could sort of explain what Lane Johnson is is claiming, what is the dispute about? Sure. And effectively, there are two pieces, well, actually three pieces to this. Okay. Um, and without getting into a ton of detail relative to Lane's case, because the case is are pending. Effectively, Lane filed unfair labor practice charges against the National Football League. He also filed unfair labor practice charges against the uh, National Football League Players Association, and then filed a complaint with the Department of Labor um, against the NFL Players Association under the Labor Management Reporting and Disclosure Act. So that's in sum and substance what he did. Those were actually filed uh, approximately on November 10th of this year. And in turn, let's start with the NFL action. And we do see a lot of players sort of going after the NFL. Uh, Having covered this for so long, the natural reaction from the NFL is, hey, this is CBA. This is all comprised in the CBA. How can you sue us? How can you file a complaint outside the prescribed arbitration system, which you went through? And I'm sure that's been their response to you. So explain how you're taking this out of the predetermined system the CBA has. Well, Andrew, this is Pat yeah. uh, Hoban, and, and the, the the issue here, I mean, the nature of these, these latest claims are under Lane's rights under the National Labor Relations Act. 
So just a little bit, the National Labor Relations Act, it, you know, it's been around since 1934. It essentially exists to protect the rights of employees with regard to their employers, but also with regard to their unions. So in this case, regardless of the fact that there is an arbitration agreement that arises from under the, the uh, PES policy, and, which is collectively bargained between the NFL and the right. NFL the fact of the matter is that both the NFL and the NFLPA have statutory obligations under federal law with regard to laning. Some of those obligations include, especially on the part of the NFL, given the way the arbitration is held under the PES policy, the obligation to provide information to Lane about the terms and conditions of his employment. So how the policy works, how the testing program works, what his own health information is that's collected under the policy, his testing records, what the actual terms of the policy are. Now, the NFL, in the course of uh, the arbitration, refused to provide that kind of information. The claim that Lane has made against them specifically is that that's a violation of his rights under the National Labor Relations Act and that they need to be held accountable for that. Can you be a little more specific as to what the NFL refused to provide to Lane? For example, um, there is a, an express provision in the PES policy that there is a neutral and independent position called the, um, uh, the toxicologist, the, the right. uh, certified forensic toxicologist. That position exists to verify laboratory results about testing, and it's to provide a neutral independent from the labs that have sort of a uh, an ingrained interest in continuing their contracts with the NFL. Right. That position was done away with. None of Lane's testing was reviewed by that position, although it's still specific in the, in the uh, PES policy. We said, all right, why didn't you do that? The NFL said, oh, we have an agreement with the NFLPA that we're not going to do that, that we're not going to have that position, that the individual lab directors are going to review their own test results. We said, would you show us a copy of that? since it now becomes part of the collectively bargained agreement, and the NFL said, no, you can't see it. It's there, but you can't see it. Now, the law is pretty clear that an employee who's subject to a union contract gets to see what the contract is and what it says, and the NFL isn't providing that. Additionally, Lane asked, asked for his testing information, how many times he was tested, on what dates. The NFL wouldn't give it to him. They then turn around and use that very information against Lane in the course of this arbitration. And, and Andrew, why that's important relates to the terms of the PES policy itself, because right. the PES policy contains limitations and restrictions on the number of times a player can get tested, uh, as well as um, you know, the, the, the time frame by which a player can get tested. And so when, when you are, the policy specifically says that it's transparent and that the players are, are supposed to get this type of information in order to challenge whether or not the test itself was a valid test, without providing that information, it leaves the player with no ability, which provides no ability to um, effectively challenge uh, the discipline at issue. So that's, that's, it's much more nuanced than that, but, it, but in yeah. some substance, that really relates to um, uh, some of the charges against the NFL. 
Yeah, and I would say everything you just said, I mean, you tell me, before we get to the, the, the third claim, the one specific to the NFLPA, that those claims would be against the NFLPA as well with, with the NLR, NLRA because everything that was not provided, I assume was not provided by the NFL and his own union, correct? Well, again, there, there are certainly true aspects of that. And, and what we faced was a situation where you'd request information from the NFL Players Association, and the NFL Players Association said, oh, well, go get it from the NFL. Hmm. NFL would say, go get it from the NFL Players Association. And so you end up playing this sort of um, roundabout game such that the player is ultimately denied his rights under the PES policy itself. And, and as to the, the basis for the claims against the NFLPA, because they are a little bit different. So the okay. NFLPA is a union certified as the representative of NFL players, former NFL players, et cetera. Right. It's the exclusive representative, right? I mean, Lane can't go be represented by somebody else. Well, because of that relationship, the NFLPA has, by law, what is referred to as the duty of fair representation which means they have to treat Lane fairly, they have to provide him information as to what they're doing allegedly on his behalf in dealing with his employer, in this case, the NFL. The specific claims against the NFLPA are essentially that they didn't do that, that they didn't give him an entire copy of the agreement under which he was being employed and under which he was disciplined, that they didn't provide him with information about these you know, either verbal or written side deals that they frankly misled him with some of the information they provided him about interpretations of the language, only to have that uh, misinformation be made clear in the course of the hearing itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, three attorneys at the arbitration hearing, they said about two words, and one of them was hello. Um, so those are the basis of the charges brought against the NFLPA. As far as the unfair labor practice charges, there's another mechanism um, that we've uh, brought charges against the NFLPA under the Department of Labor. And Andrew, this is David. That the yeah. Labor Management Relations, or excuse me, Reporting Disclosure Act charge that we filed with the Department of Labor. And in essence, that um, act requires the NFLPA or any union to provide their members with a complete copy of the collectively bargained agreement. So while that's part of the unfair labor practices against the NFLPA, it's also part of this separate action under the Labor Management Reporting and Disclosure Act, uh, such that Lane, despite multiple requests, to this day, and, and not just Lane, but the entirety of the membership of the NFLPA, does not know the complete terms of the collectively bargained agreement, whether that be the actual CBA probably itself, the other collectively bargained agreements being the uh, performance-enhancing substances policy as well as the substance of abuse, because this is going on not just in the performance-enhancing substances policy, but also in the program and policy on substance of abuse. You've got the membership, the players, that don't know the terms of the agreement, and yet they're being held accountable by the NFL to the very letter of these agreements, but don't know what they are. 
So that, in essence, is what the Department of Labor hopefully is going to be looking into, getting uh, not only Lane, but potentially all the members a complete copy of what are these side letters, what are these modifications, what are these amendments, and that, that's the, the third piece, so to speak. And, and Andrew, if I could just jump in yeah. for a second, why that's important is, you know, as the bargaining representative of the players, the, the Players Association has a responsibility to the players to, to uh, explain to the membership. And many of these players are not, um, they're not college graduates. Some right, are, right. some aren't. Most of them do not have degrees in pharmacology or are licensed pharmacists. But the policy itself, the, the written version, is 51 pages long. Apparently, there are a whole bunch of other side deals and understandings between the union and the NFL, but yet none of the players have been alerted to what those side deals actually are. So when a player goes to look at the contract, I mean, it's a very basic principle, right? I'm going to hold you accountable to the strictest letter of a policy, but I'm not actually going to tell you what the policy itself is, and that creates the problem. So, Steve, let me be clear on this. When you talk about the CBA, because you, I, everyone can get a copy of the CBA. It's on the NFLPA website. But you're saying these sort of additional revised side agreements between the NFL and the NFLPA that affect the drug policy, that players can't get a copy of these and they haven't been able to see these? Tell us about that. That is correct. And actually, if you go to the NFL Players Association's website, the version that you can click on as of today does not contain the actual terms of the policy that's being applied to the strictest letter against the players. If I were a player in the NFL, I would be outraged by this because how can you hold me to the strictest letter of the policy but yet not even tell us what the actual policy means? And I'll give you a couple of examples. Mm-hmm. One of the examples, and Andrew, you can verify this, in the actual written version of the policy, it says that there is supposed to be a panel of three to five arbitrators. Right. Well, there aren't. There are actually only two because of some apparent side deal between the union and the uh, NFL relative to only having two arbitrators. So, Stephen, guys, to be clear, you're talking about a provision that calls for three to five arbitrators for these hearings, yet there are only two arbitrators, and it seemed to be agreed by the NFL and NFLPA and you guys never heard about it. Is that what you're saying about this proceeding? That's our understanding, although they've never shared with us the actual agreement. But, but there are, to our knowledge, as of, as of the arbitration with Lane Johnson, there were only two arbitrators pursuant to the PES policy. Well, and the way this went down was, you know, the NF, we know, well, you say there's only two, there's supposed to be three by the written letter of the performance enhancing substance policy. Right, right. The uh, NFL says, well, no, we, we have an agreement that we're just only going to have two. They look at the NFLPA, and the NFLPA sort of look at each other, and then they nod, and they don't say anything. Mm-hmm. And when you ask for a written agreement, when was this agreement made, they tell Lane, you don't have a right to that information. Now, now, from my perspective as a labor lawyer, one of the most substantive rights a, pl- a person has is the right to make sure that the arbitrators who are selected are free from bias. And that, and that arbitrators and that arbitrators themselves are appointed in accord with the negotiated terms of the policy. That's a basic fundamental right. And that basic fundamental right is not followed um, pursuant 
to the actual workings of the PES policy. That is a shame as far as I'm concerned. That's only one example. There are numerous other examples where what you see written down isn't actually what exists in the world. And, and I'll give you another example. One of the ways in which a player can challenge discipline under the PES policy is by arguing that the protocols were actually followed by the lab. But here's the catch. If you're not given the protocols, how can you actually challenge whether the protocols were followed in a particular instance? Or if they even exist? And there are questions about whether certain protocols that are identified in the PES policy actually even exist today. That to me is, is a glaring, glaring problem. And if I were a player, I'd, I'd be up in arms. If I were an agent, I'd be up in arms and say, how can you possibly discipline players and allow them a defense but not provide them any information relative to that defense? Guys, you're obviously only representing Lane, and we're talking about Lane Johnson, but this sounds like something other players are experiencing as well, not quite being able to find what they want from the union or the league. And are you hearing that in your discussions about this case? Well, Andrew, I will say that we represent more than just Lane Johnson. What I will also say is, is that I think many, you have to understand the dynamic between the NFL Players Association and the agents, Right because the NFLPA certifies the agents. Right, right. And if you have an agent who squawks about, you know, what's happening, you know, that, that creates tension between their relationship with the Players Association. It's only when a player reaches out to a lawyer, which they're entitled to do under the policy, um, does that dynamic change. And, and that's one of the problems that we see here and why perhaps you know, when you look at this policy, and I think there were two players that were suspended yesterday. Yes, yes. Um, and, and you look at the number of players that are repeatedly being suspended over and over and over again. It, it's almost like chiclets, that they're being suspended day by day. And it's only until somebody challenges the NFL and the NFL Players Association do these things hopefully begin to change, and that what the policy says as it relates to transparency actually exists. But from my way of thinking... What would be wrong with actually telling the players what the real terms of the policy are? What do we actually expect? That to me is a, is a baseline right, a due process right that these players have and they are being, um, that's being taken away from them. And that's unfortunate. Guys, let's talk a minute about this Aegeus Shield app, which Lane had mentioned when this was under appeal, kind of pointing the finger at the union, they put this app out there, but you can't rely on the app. What is the status of this app, and is it secure for players to rely on this app put out by the NFLPA about supplements and whether they're legal or not in the NFL program? Sure. Well, if you go onto a GS Shield, it is an app. You can do it on a computer, mm-hmm. and you can type in any substance. Um, what happens when you do that, you can then click a box that indicates under what uh, policy or, or uh, program you wish to check your supplement. Um, so it has a list. It has like the NFL. It has a, a number of others like WWE, I think, is mentioned also. You can click it and you can type in your supplement. And then what will happen is, is that by virtue of the supplement you take, um, it will click, it will show a box. It will actually show a, a big green Okay, with a check mark. 
Right, right. But here's the problem. The problem is, is that it's not okay, according to the NFL. The NFL does not sanction the app, does not sanction the use of the app, and neither does the independent administrator of the policy. And therefore, the players who believe that they are safely checking to determine whether or not the, 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 the supplements they're putting into their body are in fact in conformity with the NFL's PES policy are provided, in my opinion, with a false sense of security. Because, unfortunately, the players are actually held to whatever is actually in the substance in question not necessarily what are the ingredients on the label. Now, where that gets difficult, and then the question is, well, why don't you have it tested? Well, the testing procedure is expensive. In order to get um, a, a supplement tested, it's about 500 bucks, and it takes a while. But you have to test every single lot number of every single supplement in order to be assured that the stuff that you have is actually okay. So does anyone actually certify this app? Is it just a suggestion? Let's, let's clarify that for the record. Well, no, the NFLPA provi provides it, and they say it's available, but then when a player actually goes to rely on it, the NFL Player Association basically says you, you can't rely on the app. Okay. okay. So the question is, is, what then is the purpose of the app at all? As, as opposed to Major League Baseball that has a, a real process for certifying supplements. And because, and here's the question I would ask, which is Major League Baseball has gone to great lengths to ensure that the supplements that its players take are certified. And we don't see nearly the number of Major League Baseball players that are suspended as a result of performance-enhancing substances since the days of, you know, all the steroid use, right? Right, but the right. NFL players are repeatedly being popped left and right. Every day you see another player. And the question is, why hasn't the NFL Players Association done something to protect its members in that regard? You know, again, to put this app business to bed, when I was in the NFL, we had an agreement, the league did, with EAS, and we had all the EAS products at the Packers in our weight room, and we knew those products were certified by the NFL, and they would not test positive. So... What is happening now? It seems like the Wild West with supplements, are we going backwards in this area rather than forwards? No, and here's what I tell you, and this is where things get really rocky, and we've seen players who have come out in the past and they've issued statements about contaminated supplements, and you may or may not know a lot about contaminated supplements, but many of the supplement providers basically use contract manufacturers to, to um, package mm -hmm. and make their um, supplements. And in some cases, those um, supplements can be contaminated with substances that are prohibited by the terms of policy. If you're a player and you go into a grocery store, you go to Giant Eagle, and you buy, I don't know, a vitamin. Um, I take fish oil every day, for example. If I go in and take a fish oil tablet, but it just so happens that that fish oil tablet's contaminated, um, I'm in violation of the policy. And if I get tested, um, I'm now suspended for four games because I took right, a fish right. So to put this in timing perspective, guys, what is the timing on the suits? What are you after? I assume you're after the money back for the suspension. You're after the guaranteed money that's voided with the suspension and reputational. Are those really the goals of these litigations? I, I would say all of the above. I mean, Lane is a very proud guy. Um, and I think in Lane's opinion, Lane was done wrong. 
Um, and I think that as part of this, um, it's, it's about time that the Players Association steps up and starts protecting the players um, that it is charged to do under federal law. And it, it just can't take the position that in every circumstance in which a player um, violates the policy, well, it's, it's a, according to the Players Association, it's quote-unquote strict liability. But that's really difficult when you're talking about a policy that's 51 pages long, not including these side letters that the players don't even know about. And so I think at the end of the day, um, as far as timetable goes, I mean, the unfair labor practice has been filed. The National Labor Relations Board will be investigating both the, the Players Association and will investigate the NFL. Um, as a result of that, if charges are brought by the NLRB, then there will be an administrative law judge hearing, and then perhaps it will go before the National Labor Relations Board itself at some point. As it relates to the Department of Labor, the Department of Labor will conduct an investigation to determine whether or not um, the players have been afforded the actual terms of the collectively bargained policy. And if not, the Department of Labor obviously has its rights and remedies uh, that it may pursue against the National uh, uh, Football League's Players Association relative to its failure to advise the players of the terms of the collectively bargained policy. Um, said, at this point, you're right relative to where Lane sits in his um, suspension, but I would say this to all the, the fans of, in Philadelphia. Lane has not taken this suspension lightly, and he wants nothing more than to get back and play for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Unfortunately, the way that the timing works, right, um, right. we're sort of subject to the timing of these administrative uh, bodies. And Andrew, as you know, as a lawyer, um, that, that, that can and does take some time. This has been really enlightening. Thanks to Steve Zashin and your partners representing Lane Johnson in not one, not two, but three actions, two against the NFL, one against the NFLPA. Interesting to sort of go behind the scenes on the drug policies and some potential deficiencies Thanks again for being on the business of sports, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at rostucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.